0: Thank you. Shenzhen Stories. My name is Trey Hobbs. I am the host and founder of Shenzhen Stories. We're a monthly live event and podcast that seeks to foster international community through storytelling. We're based in Shenzhen, China, the craziest city in the world. The city is great. It is lovely. It's got so much happening and it's growing so fast and it's got people coming and going from all over the world and those people have stories that they bring with them and we want to catch them all, Um, like a a story Pokemon trainer. Um, We love stories, and we love their ability to bring understanding and empathy into the world for 10 minutes. To see life through an experience that is not yours is a good thing. It broadens our understanding of people and the world that we live in and it's a lot of fun. Every month we have a story event with a different theme. Our September theme was missing. And to close that event out, we had storyteller Danielle come to the stage and bring us a story filled with truth and questions and searching and rollerblading, guys. If you've ever been asked as a kid, how was your weekend, what did you do, I promise you did not have the same answer that Danielle did. Listen, as her teenage self navigates animal communication retreats, shamans, chanting, and a little ayahuasca, here she is, Danielle.
1: (laughs) I got got short people issues. (laughs) Oh, that... Look at that. Look at that engineering right there. I work at a very innovative school, so you know, like I, was, <laughs> I learned a lot there. Um, so uh, I practiced this story um, only once before coming here, and I did it in the shower before I was coming here, and I figured my shower was about 10 minutes, and I thought that's the right amount of time, and it was, it was not successful, so if I bumble around a little bit, I'm really sorry about that. Okay, so um, my story is called Wearing White although not for the reason you might consider. Um, All right, so uh, on my 13th birthday, I went to a roller skating rink with all of my best friends. And um, I had met all of these best friends at a church youth group, which I did not uh, have membership too. I grew up in a really small town, 2,000 people. It had a fundamentalist Christian church in it that had a membership of 3,000 people. So even though I went to a public school, um, it was a very uh, conservative Christian community, which um, is not the way my family is. But uh, good news I met my first boyfriend at that youth group, Mark, and he was like really cute, and he had a band that was called Snakebite. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, they played like death metal in their garage. Like, I had braces at the time. It was like I was too scared to kiss him because I had braces, and he was too scared to kiss me because of like virginity and stuff. So, like, that was like it was like it, it was like an awesome relationship until my 13th birthday at the roller skating rink, which I was, by the way, wearing really cool bell bottom jeans that had like the cutouts on the side. And I remember good roller skater. I'm not good at a lot of things, but I like can turn without lifting my legs. So I felt like I was a shit at the roller skating rink (laughs) that day. I felt felt cool. Um, And uh, he broke up with me um, and he did that because he told me that he did not want to be with somebody anymore in a relationship that he was not going to see in the afterlife. (laughs) 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 I I was 13. (laughs) (laughs) That is the first of many tumultuous breakups, although that one is the weirdest, 100% for sure. It never got weirder than that. They got worse, but not weirder. Um, So so that was the beginning of my story. Um, So I tell a story to kind of set the stage of like the community that I was living in, because it really affected my home life a lot. when I moved there in second grade, my parents like uh, sent me off to the school very innocently, and you know they were like, "Go off and meet friends." And first question I had at eight years old was, "What church do you go to?" And I was like, "I don't, I don't what? I don't go to church." <laughs> they were like, "Oh God, you're a sinner." Like what's a sinner? Like, I remember the first time I got in trouble in second grade. I got in trouble because um, I, uh, Lacey Desimone and Adam Flannery liked each other, and I went to Lacey Desimone and told her that Adam Flannery wanted to have sex with her, and I got sent to the principal's office. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, Mrs. Sharp promised not to call my mother. I carried guilt about that my whole life and finally told my mother crying at 18. And she was like, she never called. And I was like, really? (laughs) Mrs. Sharp was the greatest second grade teacher in the world, by the way. Um, So I digress. Uh, What happened is because I grew up in this community, my parents um, decided to explore spirituality because it was really easy for us to go to these Christian communities that were very fundamentalist. Like, they're not, like, I'm not, not Christian, but like, like, Homosexuals are bad, Christian, and like diversity is bad, and interracial marriage is bad, and like like very very conservative Christianity. Um, and it was easy for us as a really liberal, open-minded family to say, well, that's not us, so we're not going to go. But it begs this question of like, okay, well then, what are we? What is our community? Where do we belong? And so I was missing a big sense of acceptance from my peers um, a lot, <laughs> and. Uh, my parents decided to go full throttle into the world of spiritual exploration. And by the time I was 14, shortly after my tumultuous breakup with Mark, uh, my mom became a meditation instructor for Deepak Chopra. And if you don't know who that is, he writes lots of spiritual books and he's friends with Oprah now and he's very famous. Um, So my um, mom met lots of people (laughs) <laughs> at these spiritual retreats down in San Diego at the Chirpa Center, including uh, celebrities like Annie Lennox and Goldie Hawn, but also she um, she met like lots of interesting people, and if you don't know who's drawn to spiritual uh, exploration, in general, there are people who are a little bit lost, have gone through something tumultuous. Not everyone, but it's, there's a, there's a group that goes, and they're not always the people that fit in easy with their community, like me. <laughs> so, um, uh, we uh, we met a lot of friends there, and my parents. We lived on a ranch that had three horses, three dogs, uh, three cats, a bird, a macaw, a turtle, and so my parents started making friends and started hosting retreats at our house. So the first memorable retreat, which there were lots, but I'm going to only tell you about a couple, um, was a psychic animal communication retreat. (laughs) Uh, This is a retreat where you would learn how to psychically communicate with animals, and I can not imagine what my poor horses and dogs and cats (laughs) felt (laughs) that weekend. Um, I wish the retreat had worked, because I would love to know what they thought about that. (laughs) Unfortunately, it didn't work for me. We uh, also decided to, um, we did lots of other retreats. We did a retreat where we learned how to communicate with ancestors through meditation. We all had to wear white for that. Um, We did a retreat with James Twyman, who's like the leader of the Indigo Children movement, where they search for enlightened children that have been born on the planet. Um, And we met a really cool guy there named Matisha, who is from Hawaii, and he channels a spirit called Dolphinanda. And he came to our pool, and he blew bubbles from the bottom of the pool, and uh, spoke in dolphin speak, <laughs> um, which I will spare you the impression of that. <laughs> but it, but it's exactly how you're imagining it. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, we went to a, a really cool retreat uh, with an Indian saint named Karuna Mai. It was my personal favorite from the list of them. We had to wear white to that. Men and women were separated, and um, we chanted, and we meditated a lot. And even though we were wearing white, Karunamai was like this saint who embodied Saraswati, and she was wearing all red and pink saris, and she was like so beautiful. And she rocked a double chin in a way that I have not yet learned how to figure out. And I just remember looking at her and be like, she's so beautiful. Um, and she would end every session with, I love you my babies i love you millions and trillions and it felt so real that i still sign all my letters and cards with that um but the best out of Oh, we also met one um, Indian state who promised my parents that she would enlighten me and my brother if they paid her money. Unfortunately, my parents did not, thankfully, not buy me (laughs) enlightenment, so that was good. Uh, I don't know what that would have been like. Um, But the best and most exciting of the uh, extreme retreats that we had was the time that we met the Peruvian shaman. Um, who was actually from France, but had spent most of his life in Peru learning how to (laughs) become a Peruvian shaman, and um, he was very into leading ayahuasca tea ceremonies. I was about 17 at the time that my family started doing ayahuasca tea ceremonies in my living room. Um, uh, So if you don't know what an ayahuasca tea ceremony is, it's a tea that you drink that causes you to hallucinate it's made with certain herbs and it also has different like those herbs are supposed to invoke certain spirits that are connected to those animals as the people in um, Peru believe and so to start the ceremony we had to sit in a circle wearing all white on my living room floor (laughs) which was weird Um, we had to um, like sing songs and there were drums and it was very musical and um, I remember very vividly at this point in my life just so you know I had never done any substance illegal or legal at that point really I maybe had had one glass of wine so this is my first time doing anything like that with my parents (laughs) dressed in white on the floor of our living room which, if you want an adventure, I'll tell you, that's the real way to live. <laughs> right on the edge there um, so of comfort. Um, and so when, when you drink the tea, you have to do a little prayer. And um, we did a prayer. And um, I remember the tea, it looked like greenish brown. And it was not a liquid, but it was not a solid. Um, it smelled floral, but tasted like... Awful. Like I don't like. I was told by the shaman later that if you're a truly enlightened person, it tastes really good. So apparently, I have work to do, or had then. I'm probably fine now. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it's putrid. It, it's hard to drink, and it. Um, and also, after you're done drinking, then you sit in a circle meditating, and you sing songs, and sometimes you get up and dance, and um, everyone has a bowl. And the reason why everyone has a bowl is because ayahuasca can cause you to purge um, a lot. And so, um, yeah, yeah, I definitely purged a a little bit. Not as bad as someone else at the ceremony, Um, but yeah, it wasn't pleasant. Um, I do remember, like, feeling very much like I was in the movie Avatar, which had not come out yet, so, like, when that movie came out, I was like, no way, like, (laughs) that guy has definitely been doing ayahuasca. (laughs) um, It was so surreal, and I went with my parents to go see it, and they were like, did you? I was like, yes. <laughs> it was like it looked a lot like that. Very colorful, very jungly, but like animals that aren't real. Like it was it was a, there was a purplish grid. I remember very vividly seeing a purplish grid, wondering what what is why is there a matrix and the and maybe it's real. I like the movie Matrix was very popular at the time. Um, and then um, we would sing songs, and I remember one of the songs was called Shine Your Light, and it was just the lyrics, shine your light, over and over again. It was a very sweet song, and you would just sing it like this, shine your light, shine your light, and the woman next to me, who had had a very rough time, had purged quite a bit. Apparently, she had a lot of entities or negative <laughs> spirits attached to her. She, her. Her version of the song was more like, shine your light, <laughs> shine your light. <laughs> I remember feeling so bad for her. And because of the Reiki ceremony that I had done a year before, I was able to put my hand on her and try to channel some really positive energy to her. So that came in really handy. Um, And and so it was was crazy. I don't don't know... um, I think that this exploration was, was intense, and I and I don't know how else to place it in time other than it was a very long experience. It's still not really over. Um, no one in my family is doing ayahuasca anymore, but my parents are still very spiritual. They hula a lot. And by hula, I don't mean they just, don't just dance. Like To them, it's a very spiritual practice. We spent a lot of time debating it. Um, we spent a lot of time this summer talking about pyramids and things like that. Um, and there, it's a very diverse, awesome thing. I will say it was not easy growing up like this, though. What did you do this weekend was really hard for me. And the- <laughs> Um, it was not easy. I I also just felt like a real, like the whole point of why we went through this is because I really didn't have acceptance from my peers. I was missing that sense and it didn't really like, it wasn't like I gained a lot of acceptance from my peer group through these experiences at all. Um, <laughs> if anything, I felt more isolated. But one thing that I did get from this is that... Um, uh, it was great to like go through some really intense experiences like that with your family. It made me very adventurous and brave. It gave me the sense of finding a personal spiritual philosophy so I didn't feel so lost when I got older and look for a commonality among ideas of spirituality that made me feel safe and comforted. Um, I know that um, I went to college and majored in anthropology and religion as a double major because of this experience. I wanted to discover more about it. I went to India and lived in an ashram for a month, and I loved that. And um, it brought my family really close together because we were so isolated from doing these things. And I'll tell you, there's a real special intimacy with your brother and your mom and dad when you've all purged together <laughs> on a living room floor, <laughs> um, there's really a whole level of closeness that I don't think many people know or can relate to, and um, the good news is it made me really brave about being alone, and that set me abroad and set me here where I'm able to gain acceptance and make my own community and fill that missing gap. So that's my story. <laughs>
0: thank you once again so much for listening to the podcast thanks to danielle and all of our storytellers and you the listener the audience at the live event wherever you're getting this story thanks for taking the time to do so we think these stories are important and we think you are too so if you have a story and you want to reach out to us we would love to have you our email is shingenstories at gmail.com or you can reach out on twitter facebook instagram all the social needs um, which is short for media I've decided that that's probably not gonna work I'm gonna stop making it happen but regardless we want to hear from you even if you just want to learn about a, an event that's coming up or a workshop that we're holding or if you just want to say hey or if you do have a story that you'd like to share on our podcast or up on stage it's a lot of fun and we truly believe that these stories in a very small way can help change the world All right, guys, we have a little bit of an announcement. Uh, October is going to be a bit of a crazy month, and so we're going to be taking that month off, unfortunately, from our live event. Don't worry. We will still be releasing new stories on the podcast, and I promise they will not be as late as these September ones were. Ooh, gosh, sorry about that. But we're going to be back big in November. We've partnered with the Expat Service Center here in Sheko and Shenzhen, and we are going to be hosting a big Thanksgiving feast. We'll be outdoors, we'll be in the park, we'll have drinks and food provided, and most of all, you guys, the community. We'd love to see you there. Please follow us for more information on that. Please give this podcast a little subscribe, a little review, and then share it with somebody. We would love that. It means a lot to us. And that's how we get these stories from all over the world to all over the world. And thank you for your part in that. That is going to be it for us. Thanks again for listening. And as always, keep being awesome.